Hey, have you heard about Anchor? You probably haven't heard about Anchor yet, so let me tell you about it. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. You probably hear other people talk about how they make podcasts. If they say it's easy, they're crazy. All of their methods are really hard and complicated, but Anchor, super simple. First off, it's free. They have creation tools that let you make the podcast right from your phone. You don't even need a computer. This is 2019. Who uses computers anymore? Anchor distributes your podcast on all the other platforms. No need to go do all that complicated searching and hosting and posting. Hosting and posting. They do it for you. You can also make money from your podcast. Well, I mean, that's what I'm doing right now because you're listening to this ad. They've got everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. No need to search around all over the place. No need to go to 20 different sites. Just one. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Bet you thought I was going to sing right here, didn't you? Are you looking for the hottest news out of the obstacle racing scene? Want to stay up to date on the freshest info, the latest podiums, and hear interviews with the who's who in OCR? Well, you've come to the wrong place. Well, some of that you'll find here. But we're not the media. This is not ORM, OCM, OCRM, ORCM. This is OCR Talk. Hey everyone, this is Jason Dupree. And I'm Anna Landry. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode 8 of OCR Talk. We are very, very excited about this episode. It is a very much anticipated episode. I know several people have already been asking me if we've already recorded this episode. (laughs) That's nice. I've been eager to record it myself. My favorite podcasts are always the ones that cover races that I went to. So, obviously, the race that we went to this weekend is the one that we're going to cover, and uh, that's why it's super exciting. Yeah, and, like, right after you go to the event, too. It's always really cool to hear about it, like, almost immediately after. Right. So, sorry, everybody, that has been eagerly awaiting. Here we are. But, you know, life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, hopefully it'll get out tomorrow, but uh, we'll see. We've got a couple of housekeeping tasks to take care of first. We do have a contest that we were doing. Last episode, we announced that the Battle Race gave us a free race code to give away. And we've got a winner for that. We we put a post on Facebook, and it said, share this post and get the most likes you can on your post. We messed it up a little bit by uh, <laughs> sharing the event first, which Facebook's funny in that it doesn't let you track. Like, when they share it, it just shares the event, not the post that you shared with the event on it. Yeah, so so technical (laughs) difficulties. But we did try our best to track down everybody that did share that post as well as the one that was just an image with the contest information on it. We had several people that shared the post. Thank you guys so much for taking part. We were wishing luck for everybody, and uh, they had some people that had some pretty sweet things to say, some nice things to say about us to try and win this. But it came down to... Drumroll... (laughs) <laughs> Brian Blakely with Brian Blakely, a hundred likes. A hundred so, likes, nice, nice yeah. job, Brian. I noticed on done. his post he had his wife like 
tagging a hundred different people. Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> I'm sure their whole family was tagged. Everybody on Facebook. <laughs> so good job, Brian. And you're going to do awesome at Battle OCR and looking forward to having you there. Yeah, we're excited to, to race with you. We'll be contacting you shortly to give you that code so you can get signed up. And maybe we'll run in a lap with you. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this past weekend was pretty cool. I had a race at the 5 Fitness Ranch, which we talked about last episode, but you know the, we released the episode like the day before the race, so I right. obviously didn't get to talk about it yet. But uh, just a quick recap, I, I went into it feeling like I didn't quite eat enough that morning or the day before, but I still felt all right and was running too quick at the beginning. You know how it is. People take off so fast at the beginning of races and you try to keep up with them. And next thing you know, you look down at your watch and it says you're doing a seven minute mile. And it's like, ah, stop it. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> Slow down. Uh, <laughs> but I got to the spear and his spear throw is a slightly shorter. It's like two bales of hay tall instead of three or whatever Spartans is. And my mm -hmm. spear was nice throw. It went right over the top. So I ended up having to do, do some burpees <sighs> there, which really kind of put the hurt on my lungs. So... I slowed down a little bit after that, but I was fifth overall. I mean, there wasn't a ton of people That's there. Still not still... bad. <laughs> That's still not bad, though. <laughs> Those guys were running good. It was a it was a yeah. good race. We had fun. Well, good. How um how long was it, like mileage wise? It's five miles, so it's five just miles? the normal course that he has. He made a couple of alterations to it. He had one spot in the back that had some extra trails instead of just like a mode trail. It was like through the woods kind of footpath and there was another spot where you actually went around the lake and then went back through it on the other side and went on from there so got mm -hmm. to get wet a little bit which was nice yeah I think it I was saw a good day pictures. for it so yeah it was, it was a good time so this past weekend was the tough mutter central texas mm -hmm. outside of austin in smithville and of course they had their tough tougher half 5k toughest which is what we we're excited to talk about and there was at least four different live streams that i know about that was happening that was really cool to see because you know we're starting to get used to seeing live streams from tough mutter and from spartan but for people that don't that haven't seen it yet toughest out in europe they've been doing live streams for the past couple of years if not longer and while they don't have a facebook watch page or a facebook live page they have been doing it on different platforms as well as just through a regular, like, you know, we're live on Facebook kind of thing. So they had a a toughest in Malmo, Sweden. I'm not sure how you pronounce that, but they had one. Savage Race had their normal, like, chasing the leaders down with their, in a gator with their phone. Yeah, that's what I call it. That was a good race. Kind of the normal concept from them. I, I would love to see them step it up a little bit with, a little bit more production value. Like I, I really appreciate the effort that they put in to yeah. chasing people with the phone, but it ends up being a bunch of different videos that you have to track down. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, of course the production quality can't, you can't really expect too, too much from people's phones, but at the same time, like it, it almost, you just kind of get tired of watching the shaking phone yeah exactly exactly but it i mean it's still exciting i, I still watched it oh for sure and it is awesome that they're that they're doing it and they're a smaller smaller race too so i know you know i'm sure it costs tons of money to do that kind of stuff yeah equipment and whatnot 
So maybe they'll get there one day, but until then, uh, I'll keep watching their, their shaky phones. <laughs> Spartan Race had a French national series doing their live stream, and it was actually on Facebook Live or Facebook Watch or whatever it's called, which I thought was really cool because I actually messaged Toughest and they said that they don't have a live a Facebook Live page because they can't do it in the U.S. It's only in the U.S. or something. Hmm. I take it because Spartan has already got theirs established in the United States. Maybe that's how they got theirs from France going. I don't know. But nonetheless, it was really cool to see another overseas race that we're getting to watch here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you really don't ever get to see what goes on overseas. You always hear about it, but unless you actually go there yourself, you don't ever actually really get to see the race action over there. Yeah, I like to watch darts and... It's a, you know, Europe, more more so European thing, the DART uh, championships, and they do Facebook Live, and it comes on, you know, you get a notification when they go live, and it's a really highly produced, uh, very good show. So it's cool getting to see something that otherwise, you know, I don't, I don't have Sky Sports or whatever it is they have out there to watch that kind of stuff. Pat, and I'm surprised Spartan didn't do a Facebook Live of Montana. Because there was still some pretty big names as far as elites competing at that one, too. And I think it was Amelia's first race back. I saw it on Instagram, on their Instagram story. Well, I think it's because it was a, a mountain race, right? It mm -hmm. wasn't the national series. Right. I don't know. Maybe they'll expand it next year to more races. So Tough Mudder on Saturday had their kind of shaky phone footage out, too. So you know, somebody out there... Uh, Actually, I don't think it was a shaky phone. I think they just had it focused on, you know, one obstacle at a time. Like, they had it at Everest for a while, and then they had it at Blockness Monster for a while. Yeah, at all the big obstacles. They didn't do the tougher with Matt B. Davis and E-Rock on the couch. They didn't do that. But they did have some live footage, which was really neat. Like, it's, it's nice to see all this live footage coming from all over the place. It makes it really exciting each weekend. Makes it very entertaining to watch. Yeah, even when you can't be part of it, you get to you get watch to it with envy. <laughs> <laughs> have you signed up for a Spartan race this year? I have. I'm doing um, Austin. We're going back to Austin next weekend for the Sprint and Super Weekend. So at Reveille Peak Ranch. So you signed up for a Spartan. Mm -hmm. So that must have automatically qualified you to go to Iceland, right? <laughs> 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 oh yeah i signed up for the ultra beast too yeah <laughs> apparently i'm qualified to go to tahoe and world and everything else <laughs> now i i heard uh i i surprisingly have not seen the memes out there uh but mike stefano on his most recent podcast was talking about the different memes for you you know did something simple and it got you a, right. a you qualification for right. iceland like everybody's qualifying exactly which you know it's <laughs> funny because all those emails that everybody else was getting um qualifying them for worlds like to go to the world championships and it was at the beginning of the year or trifecta championships or something like that and everybody who finished a trifecta last year got oh, emails yeah. inviting them to i did like three trifectas last year and i never got that email <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little hurt by that, but apparently I, I'm I'm okay enough to go to Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny that people are, are saying that it seemed like it was too easy, but I don't I don't know if everybody's email said that they qualified for elite, but the elite qualification was to finish in under 10 hours, which mm -hmm. was not a far stretch. Like I did it in Dallas and 
I did it in under eight hours. And honestly, I felt pretty rough the second half of the race too. <laughs> right. So. Well, the longer, the longer Ultra Beasts though, I know Daniel and um, some of our friends tried doing the one in Tahoe and that one was rough. Let me tell you. Yeah. And because that's I just did, yeah, I just did one lap in Tahoe. I just did the Beast. I wasn't even signed up for the Ultra Beast, but I just did the Beast lap. And that took me almost, I think, six hours just to do one lap. So yeah, Tahoe's, Tahoe's Tahoe was pretty crazy. I think it was like close to 17 miles or something crazy like that. Like it was, it was insane. It gets longer every year. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was kind of confused too, as far as what exactly qualified me to go to Iceland. Because <laughs> I mean, whenever I did my Ultra Beast in Dallas last year, I was, I was signed up and competitive. And then whenever I checked my results at the end of the race, I ended up finishing like eighth in my age group or something like that so i figured it was something like that that qualified you for elite what but, was your time um it was less than 10 hours that's probably what it was more than likely even though you were signed up for competitive i guess it still qualified you yeah out of those memes that mike stefano was talking about my favorite one was one of oprah winfrey saying you get a <laughs> you get a qualification. you get an iceland qualification you get an iceland qualification everybody gets a qualification <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I think everybody got that email, which I mean is nothing to say, nothing to diminish what you did in the Ultra Beast <laughs> last year, but I think yeah. they just want a lot more people to come to Iceland, which I mean, if I could go and if I could make it happen, then I would go. But Yeah, well, I mean, they're obviously just trying to make it successful because I'm right. sure they paid a ton of money. Uh, actually watching the live stream before the race last year i think joe DeSena said it was like a million dollars that it cost him to put it on oh yeah i'm sure it was not cheap by any means yeah and there's no way they got that many they had enough people to pay for that <laughs> no no way <laughs> no way if i could go it's just at a bad time of year how many people went i think they I only think had only like had... a thousand as a yeah if that like participant one thousand was like the limit i believe wasn't the price on it like seven hundred dollars or something? Yeah, crazy? the race entry fee, just the just for the the ultra is seven hundred and fifty. Well, seven fifty ninety nine. <laughs> so seven hundred and fifty one dollars. Even that is not enough to completely cover their Spartans' no, cost. Definitely not. Maybe they're trying to up that. Well, anything else to say before we get on to probably the longest recap to ever exist? Ah. <laughs> uh... I don't think so. There's really nothing there is, else I, I don't want. really care anymore. Yeah, if there is, then obviously it's not really important enough <laughs> for me to remember to talk about. <laughs> All right, so this past weekend was the Tough Mudder Central Texas weekend, and they had the first toughest race of the year because Toughest LA was canceled due to the the weather that they had out there. So it was Toughest South. Last year, Toughest South was in Atlanta, I believe. I think so. Mm-hmm. Because I looked Which at that race last year. Which is kind of funny because Atlanta and Austin are very, very far apart. And very different. Yeah. <laughs> First Durango. It's funny as much as you talk about the South, obviously Texas is, but it's, I mean, it's a borderline West, you know, parts yeah. of Texas for sure. Texas is just its own territory. <laughs> <laughs> there's like the Midwest and the East Coast and the West Coast and the South and then there's Texas. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's how I see it. We're going to break this up into some different segments so that we don't uh, kind of lose track of what we're talking about. Squirreled. Yeah, let's let's talk about the winners first, and then we'll go through like the venue, 
just some of the obstacles and then the gear we use and then we'll share our stories. So first off, the the winners. On the guy's side, you had Ryan Atkins. Of course. Who got 45 miles. I do believe he finished. Yeah, it says Ryan's last lap time or at the end of his last lap was 7.33. And he was at 45 miles and obviously, you know, he knew he had time because the second place guy, Sean Stevens Whale, was still on course, Mm -hmm. so he didn't have to go back out for another lap. Now, last year, they had that extra bonus prizing for $5,000 for everybody that hit 50 miles. Or not everybody, but the first person to hit 50 miles. And so he didn't do that because they didn't have that prizing this year, which is interesting. This might be one of his bigger, not his A race, I would say, but, you know, probably one of his best better races that he wants to perform at this year going into worlds but i don't think you'd really want to completely kill yourself too early in the year right no no point in pushing it just because just just because you can cool. <laughs> it's it's not like he's never proven that he can you know right. obviously there's he, no he question in anybody's can. mind yeah there's no question in anybody's mind if he can or can't <laughs> like everybody knows he can so yeah i think i think he made made the right choice but Sean Stevens Whale got second. He finished after the time cut off to start your last lap. So he was at 45 miles as well. He is a tower runner. Have you ever heard of, about that? I heard Matt B. Davis talking about him. I, had, I heard him saying how he's not really one of the well-known names in OCR right now. But yeah, he's he's a tower runner. So he just runs up and down towers. Uh, yeah, just running stairs. Yeah. And Matt B. Davis actually mentioned on his most recent episode that Sean Stevens Whale is going to be at a Red Bull 400, which is one of those races right. where they run up Straight a ski up slope. For 400 meters. Not a ski slope, a ski jump. Like they actually yeah. run up where they, the yeah. skiers fly down. To be like, yeah, the hardest 400 meters in the world to run. Yeah. So I would imagine he probably does pretty good at that since that's kind of his thing. Yeah. Those hills were nothing to him. <laughs> but for him to come into. Tough Mudder and, and compete the way he has is pretty amazing. Yeah, I like the fact that a lot of OCRs are reaching out. And I heard I heard Adrian Bijanata talking about this with uh, with Hunter on Obstacle Dominator, how like they're trying to reach out to ultra runners and trail runners and things yeah. like that. And how we're, you know, OCR is kind of branching out and kind of appealing to more more types of athletes. Because a lot of... A lot of the people that got into Tough Mudder were triathletes prior to getting into Tough Mudder. Because I think the first Tough Mudder was like, you had to qualify to compete in a Tough Mudder. Maybe, I think, for the first Worlds. Yeah. First couple Worlds, possibly. Yeah, first world world stuff. Is. So, I mean, it was it definitely appealed to the triathletes and the people that ran Ironman and everything like that. But now it's branching out to a lot more kinds of athletes. In third place was Brian Gowitzki, who I know I've heard the name, but I and and I kind of recognize him, but yeah. not not a ton. Do you, do you recognize him more than I do? He's been popping up on the radar a lot more. I had seen him, but I could never those the ones that you never really hear too too much about. Like they're kind of in the background. They kind of make a little noise in the background, you know, on the podium mm-hmm. every now and again. I mean, he he's been making more podiums here recently too. But yeah, I've always heard his name, but I I could never be certain if I was putting the right face with the right name. <laughs> so, but yeah, I had recently read some stuff about him. He had been doing a lot of interviews and everything. And whenever I saw started seeing his picture and everything, whenever we were in the pit area, I was like, oh, that's Brian Kowiski right across from us. 
Yeah, and he got 45 miles as well, and he finished at 823, it says. Uh, so just 7, actually 823 and 50 seconds. So just over six minutes left before the time cut off, which is pretty cool. Robert Wilt- Wiltshire at 4th with fifth 40 miles, and Christopher Mendoza at 5th with 40 miles. So only three three people got 45, you know, those top three guys. Which is, Are you going to play Chris Mendoza? I don't, I don't have it. You don't have a clip of his theme song? <laughs> we'll leave that for Will. Yeah, there you go. I think it's a good testament to how tough the course was, which obviously we'll talk more about, but it, it was. It was a tough course, and, uh, you know, people weren't just flying all over the place. Yeah, I... I kind of underestimated the single the single track. All right, so on the women's side, Rhea Coble took first, which is pretty amazing. Like she was, I think, being chased down by Allison Ty and, mm-hmm. and Lindsay Webster, but uh, she kept at it and kept strong. Got forty miles and finished. She finished at seven forty five. So the the cutoff for starting that last lap is seven forty five, and she literally crossed ten seconds after. Did you see the video? Somebody I didn't. posted a video. Mm-mm. It showed her come down from happy ending and like start walking towards the finish, and you could hear them counting down in the background. <laughs> you hear the horn, and then she's like, "Woo!" She lets out this big old shout and then crosses <laughs> the finish line because she didn't have to do anymore. <laughs> I think I was I was out on trail whenever I heard that that horn go off. I was like, "Thank goodness!" <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you if you go look for, I forget where that video popped up. It was Yancy Culp was filming for. Doing mm-hmm. live streaming for, for ORM. O, uh, ORM. Mm-hmm. So, and Allison Ty put in a huge effort trying to chase her down, and, and I think really kind of had that gap, you know, kind of close. I, I think uh, again, watching Yancy Culp's videos, she was had the gap down to like two minutes, yeah, even towards the end of the race. Yeah, whenever I was on my last lap and Rhea was Rhea had passed me for like the second time uh, the, the the gator drove by and everything and I heard somebody shouting at her that Allison was like two minutes behind her uh so Allison Ty got 40 miles as well Lindsay Webster got third with 35 miles I know she had finished a little earlier I think she had her spot locked up and I believe maybe she was just you know feeling rough in her legs or something so she uh stopped there and took home third place and you know, good for her. And then fourth place was a was a local one. Well, yep. local elite. <laughs> <laughs> Alexandra Walker. She finished with thirty five miles too. Where is she from? Um, I think she's in Austin. I know. I know she's a uh, she's in Lone Star. Yeah. But I I believe she's in Austin because she trains with Yancey. And that was her first toughest event. That's awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was her very first tough mutter toughest competitive event that's awesome which she's an yeah, awesome runner she's like stinking fast who got fifth fifth place that was that was up in the air because i, I remember will talking about it too because you couldn't really tell who got fifth that's right do we know yet i don't think so i don't think there's been any updates to that because i didn't get i'm gonna um, check real quick because the times on the timing on their um results page was off or you couldn't tell or something. I mean, it shows Adrian Alvord being yeah. fifth and Margaret Catarelli. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, so it was between sixth. those two. But, so I think I see the the discrepancy is that it shows... <laughs> it shows Adrian Alvord with 34 miles and yeah. Margaret with 31 miles. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand that. 
<laughs> okay. All right. So I guess we still don't know. <laughs> so I'm going to say it's Adrian just because. Weird. Okay. All right, Tough Mudder. I guess we'll wait for, uh, make sure you check out Will Hicks next podcast, next I'm episode sure on the world's toughest podcast. Straightened out with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah, that was, that was really awesome. Obviously we got to see them run by us multiple times and yep. see them at the finish and whatnot and see them on the podium shaking up their champagne and, and doing all that. That was a good time. Of course, I know, you know, I, I wasn't really watching, watching the podium ceremony cause I was about dead. But. Yeah. I think I missed it too. <laughs> so the venue itself, what did, what did you think about just the place where they held it, the trails and let's say the village area? The village area, uh, well, I mean, the village area was pretty simple. I mean, there wasn't really anything special to the village area. It was your basic, you know, here's your rent station and porta potties and all that. And then they had like the vendor tent set up yeah. closer they to the Merrill finish there. line. Yeah, they had Meryl there. Meryl with the shoes. Mm-hmm. And um, I did like that they had that the happy ending obstacle right at the finish where you could, where the spectators could access it. And then. Mm-hmm. The spectator trail where they could go watch obstacles, you could definitely see a lot more of the cooler obstacles. Like, I think their trail, you could walk by, you could walk by Kong, and you could walk by Rope-A-Dope, and Everest. Everest, and I think maybe there was more. I mean, the bigger ones that everybody would want to see, you could you could go walk by and kind of camp out and, and watch. So, I thought that was cool. And one of the Obviously, the you know one of the biggest things about this race that was really interesting is how heavy obstacle wise the end of the race was. So that yeah, that's where yeah. all the all the obstacles were was at towards the finish where the spectators could go see them. Yeah, which I wouldn't have had a problem with it being so obstacle heavy at the end, but just the amount of water that you had to go through and everything. <laughs> It it killed me. Like I'm surprised. I'm really surprised. I did not make it across Kong. Like what? <laughs> They're rings. <laughs> like well, there's but, there's different reasons for that, which we'll yeah. get into. But yeah. uh but yeah, I mean, the venue that that piece of property I thought was really cool in that it was you know generally flat compared to probably a lot of other venues. Right. But it still had. Some little inclines that yeah, and little climbs you know and... that push you yeah, little climbs here and there. Yeah. Oh, I loved the trail. I loved the trail. I liked it. There was a lot of roots and a lot of rocky areas. You definitely had to watch your step. The village area wasn't as lively, so we don't really you know being there at night, we don't really know yeah, we the full experience of that. what. It... <laughs> yeah, so we didn't see that part of it, but the the pit area for uh, toughest was cool because it was that big tent that was completely enclosed you know it had a couple openings to get in and out of but it actually held in heat from all the people in there mm-hmm. and so while it was slightly chilly outside when you went in there it felt pretty good yeah the course itself went from kind of just like you know a dirt road pretty tricky dirt road you know like a lot yeah. of it would you know a regular car wouldn't be able to get through kind of thing but after all ways of that it did have those trails that went up into the woods single track mm-hmm. trails and yeah those were those were pretty fun they were, they were pretty twisty and i mean even they got muddy 
after a while from oh yeah you know amount of people sheer amount of people that ran through there multiple times i will say this about the beginning of that trail when whenever they sent us off was going through that fence whenever it bottlenecked like right at the beginning everybody <laughs> trying to get through the that opening in the fence like <laughs> i was just like i was running and i was like oh wait i have to slow down now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but once you got past that it was you were golden but it was yeah a lot of running in the beginning and then so then you hit those you know a lot of a lot of mud like it felt like there was a good length of muddy course and then you hit the trails and then it was of course muddy on the trails at points too but then when you got out of the trails you went through that creek the funny thing about it is they had an obstacle quote unquote called creek crusade i believe it was mm -hmm. but it was actually like a a crossing at a, a pond <laughs> But then there was an actual creek where you walked through that took you, you know, a good seven minutes to walk down. I mean, yeah. it was a long way. It was like, creek. it was a proper creek. <laughs> I loved hearing on Will's episode that he put out right after the event where he was talking to Rhea Koble and she said that she heard that there was copperheads in there. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm glad you're telling me this now. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I don't know if anybody saw any, but, you know, it's not surprising. Any. I mean, we are down in Texas and in, in creeks. I, and I mean, I be it's always in the was. back of my mind. There were a few <laughs> times I would I would walk through that creek and I felt a log and I'm like, okay, I'm going to move over here now. <laughs> but then once you get out of the trails, you kind of got out into some open fields and those open fields, some of them had, you know, ever so slight inclines that, again, if you just ran those, it, it kind of drains you a little bit. And then towards the end of that is where you hit the big gauntlet of obstacles and then and then the finish. Yeah, there were some sneaky inclines, too, like really soft mm -hmm. inclines. Like you would be running and then you'd realize you're running uphill. <laughs> yeah. So overall, I liked the venue. Yeah. I, I thought that the, the parking was good. The festival area, you know, for a night was, was good. And the, the course itself was just a, a fun place to run. Yeah, I would have. I liked the course. I liked how it was set up. The mud was tricky. You know, it was tough, but I mean, it made for a challenging good time. That's one thing I just, I can't. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just did not like the mud that just like sucks you in. And like, there's no way. Yeah. There's like, I even saw Alexandra Walker. She couldn't even run through that. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, there's no way anyone could run through that i feel like i was running through it on like the first lap or maybe yeah. two yeah but yeah then you know as i got tired it was just like no right well and then it just got worse as the the night went on because of how many yeah. people were going through it so many times and the funniest part about it to me was running at night you can't it's real tough to see especially with my dim headlamp headlamp that i yeah. had it was real tough to see where the mud was and when where it wasn't yeah. so it's not like you could see from a distance and say, oh, all right, I'm going to run over there. It's like where you went is about all the option you had. Yeah. So you just kind of had to go ahead and go for it. But once the sun rose, I saw a path and it's like, oh, you can run right there. It's <laughs> right. not so muddy. <laughs> yeah. At <laughs> night. I had known this all night. Yeah. And night at night. And sometimes like the longer you run with that headlamp, your eyes just start playing tricks on you. Like <laughs> yeah. you, you, it might look like a good spot, but you really can't tell. <laughs> you can't really can't distinguish like the soft mud from like the harder packed mud that you can run on. And so mm -hmm. you, you like step in, a, step in a spot and you just like up to your knee. <laughs> yeah. In you mud. Jar yourself. Yeah. And you're just stuck.
But yeah, and it's crazy because the same thing happened with me whenever the sun came up. I was like, oh my gosh, I could have been running like this the whole night. <laughs> <laughs> and the the creek was, you know, that those small pebbles, that sandy, rocky, yeah. uh, get in your shoes instantly the second you step mm-hmm. in it kind of. <laughs> oh, yes. And you went like in the water and out of the water, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes like up to your chest or your neck, depending on how tall you are. Yeah. Sometimes you were... On the gravel beach. Mm-hmm. I was running on the gravel beach. Whenever I was going through the creek, I think the deepest the water got was, and I'm 5'2", so the deepest the water got was like almost up to my chest, like barely up to my collarbone, but it was pretty deep. The obstacles. <laughs> Obviously, very back heavy on the course. Yeah. First off... The fact that it was night, I mean, we obviously have mentioned how wet it was because of the, well, there was, you know, rain like a couple days before, so it was a lot of mud, Mm -hmm. a lot of water that they put us through, and it was nighttime in high humidity, Mm -hmm. so everything was just wet, just automatically. Right. So all, (laughs) so talking about any of the obstacles, it was wet. Yeah, everything was wet. You couldn't dry your hands on anything, (laughs) nothing, (laughs) but... For those that don't know, so like the first the first lap, we didn't have to go through any obstacles. The obstacles started opening up, what was it, maybe 45 minutes after we started? Yeah, and they actually rolled out the obstacles right. too. Like on my second lap, I know I actually missed uh, or got to bypass at least uh, Blockness Monster and Funky yeah, Monkey. Yeah, because I didn't get to do a rope it up until my third lap. But yeah, early on they had like Quagmire and... Trench Warfare and Blockness Monster and some of that yeah. stuff. Cage Crawl, mm-hmm. which was fun. Yeah, pretty much all the obstacles, the first lap were closed except for Devil's Beard and Pitfall. Devil's Beard, which was in, in the creek, like in a, in a dry spot mm-hmm. in the creek. Pitfall was right after you got out of the creek. Yeah. And so, yeah, you did yeah. go through it on the first lap. You had all that, and then after the creek, after... I want to say after Blockness Monster, after maybe even Mud Mile. I forget exactly where everything was, even though we did it as many times <laughs> as we did. But then there was just the tip, mm-hmm. which was the first grip-intensive mm-hmm. obstacle, which was, in my personal opinion, the hardest one there. Was that the one they said only 18 people completed it? I do believe. And if, it's so crazy because that's not a, that hard of an obstacle. It really isn't. <laughs> For one, if it's dry, it's it's just... You know, it's pretty easy. It's easier than Funky Monkey. Yeah. But not only was it wet, so when you get through the board part of it, and for those that haven't seen it yet, it's, you know, like a two-by-four kind of, you you kind of shimmy along a two-by-four hanging down from it, and then there's a middle section with the trailer hitches, like a, a, a ball from a trailer hitch on a truck sticking out, and then a metal rod a metal peg, and then another trailer hitch, metal peg, trailer hitch, and then it goes back to the boards. So I, I did that in New Orleans, and it was it was easy. This one, so not only was all that wet, the metal was wet, mm-hmm. and but they also had it to where the whole thing could t- rotate and yeah. it twist. So when you hung on it, it rotated down towards you. Yeah. So as soon as you grabbed onto that first ledge, it would shift. It wasn't stable. It wasn't just locked into one one spot. Right. And to me, that's what made it the hardest one. Like, if it didn't rotate, even being wet, it would have been tough. But I think it still would have been, it would have gotten accomplished more. Yeah. Like, 
I'm pretty good with my, my, my grip and stuff, but I didn't get it one time. Because when it rotated towards you, you're literally grabbing the trailer hitch ball and the metal peg. You literally are just slipping away from it because it's mm-hmm. hanging kind of down. Yeah. So pretty much when I once I got to those, I, yeah, I no chance. Yeah, every time I came to that obstacle, ex- except for the my last lap, because I got on it and then I'm like, no. But all the other laps before that, I got onto the the ledge and... I'm shorter, so I had to I had to grab part of the scaffolding and kind of grab that and <laughs> launch my way up to grab onto oh. the ledge. So as soon as I was grabbing onto something, it was moving, it was shifting, and that was <laughs> yep. like so frustrating to me. But I would make it all the way down, and I made it to that first trailer hitch, and like as soon as I grabbed it, my hand slipped off of it. Like I felt like I had a yeah. good gri- I had a good grip on it. So had it been either dry or stable, I think I would have at least gotten gotten further than I had. Yeah, the wood was not that bad. Even being wet, it was still pretty. Yeah, easy. the the wood really wasn't that bad. Definitely the wet metal just made it so hard. And yeah, and the second time around, the spacing between like you had to grab that trailer hitch um, ball. You couldn't. There right. was no way you could. Like my second time I did that obstacle I tried doing the whole like kind of swing and get momentum and maybe like swing myself up to that metal peg because I knew if anything I could grab that metal peg but I mean I fell (laughs) yeah well I feel like if you could have got to the peg and then to the other peg maybe right but the trailer hitch balls were just they were really hard. they were unavoidable and they were really hard to grab onto I would like to see if anybody got footage of Ryan Atkins doing it because they said that he made it pass oh i'm sure he probably made it look easy too (laughs) trench warfare and cage crawl right after it cage crawl was a nice nice (gasps) chance to get off your feet and just lay back (laughs) you know you got to go under the fence uh which are you know being claustrophobic some people have a hard time with that yeah uh having your face so close out of the water you know because there's only six inches or so if that but i yeah i know you said the same i just took it Took it as it was right. and laid back and relaxed well, for a minute. <laughs> my first time, I I did that my second time through it. My first time through it, I'm like, you know, I'm not claustrophobic. I'm just, you know, whatever. I didn't really think very much of it. And so I was going, I didn't really have a strategy either. Because there is kind of a little bit of a, a strategy you want to have going into that. Just so, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. mess with your head, I think. So as I'm, as I'm climbing up the... My first lap, as I'm climbing up the um, the chain link fence and making my way down the obstacle and just floating along and everything, I'm just going along. And there was a point in there where the next section of fences was lower. <laughs> so it, <laughs> I, I wasn't prepared for that. And like my head went under a little bit and I kind of started to panic. And oh. um, like I, I came back up and like I was like holy cow and I just started going going faster trying to get past the obstacle so I'm like okay I didn't like that very much but it, I mean it wasn't that bad so my next time through it I found the the metal I guess the metal pole that goes all the way down and that connects the 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 chain link fences yeah I found right in that in the middle uh-huh and I lined myself up with that, and I just followed the metal pole going down. <laughs> I think you what still happened. Still weren't grabbing that, right? Or you grabbing right? The I was fence just grabbing itself? the fence, right? But you were but looking I was, at the pole. 
exactly just to make sure I was going in a straight line and I wasn't like zigzagging everywhere because I think that's what happened my first time is that like I was kind of zigzagging and I wasn't going mm-hmm. quite in a straight line so in my head I was like golly how long is this obstacle like <laughs> am I done yet <laughs> but no after that once I had that going for me oh yeah I was looking forward to that obstacle every single lap <laughs> Yeah, I, I found that I wanted to kind of lean my head back and look towards the end of the obstacle so I could see the end coming. But the more I did that, the more water would like splash in my eyes. So right. I just looked, you know, straight up, kept my head level, and yeah. just kept on pulling until there was no more fence to grab. Yeah. And I keep telling everybody too, like, that obstacle was oddly therapeutic. Like, just <laughs> to be there and your ears are underwater. So mm-hmm. all you can do is just look up at the moon while you're floating there and just hear, listen to yourself breathing. It's like a meditative exercise. Yeah, it's like one of those uh, levitating chambers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it was so nice to get off my feet for mm-hmm. the 30 seconds that it took <laughs> to do that yeah. obstacle. And I don't know if you ever bothered to kind of put your feet down but it's only like two feet deep it's yeah not, it's not very deep yeah at all. and i remember listening to i can't remember i think it was either will or matt's will podcast yeah. yeah was it will hicks that you know for people who do get claustrophobic like don't freak out all you have to do is like get on your knees and stand up and the yeah. fences will pop up so <laughs> they're not nailed down on you <laughs> yeah they're not actually trapping you in <laughs> but no I, I liked that obstacle a lot even though then water was still nasty but that's another thing <laughs> Mud Mile 2.0 was not, I found it to not be that bad because there was enough ruts in it that uh, I, I found the spots where I could do it myself. Mm-hmm. And every every single time I went to the same spot in the corner, you could right. kind of put your hands on both on both sides of the corner and lift yourself up enough to get a foot in and just pull yourself out. So Yeah, I think for the most part, there. people did that. People were able to do that one on on their own i think there was a few spots especially as the night went on a few people were just having you know you know having trouble picking themselves up over the over the hills so blockness monster you know (laughs) middle of night obviously you don't have a ton of people there so it's very interesting when you get there and i i know so many times like seeing you know there's a person in the water there's another person ahead of you there's a person behind you and it's like everybody starts rushing to get there yeah. at the same time. <laughs> and I will tell you the, the first time I got stuck at that obstacle by myself and there was nobody in sight. <laughs> and and the poor lifeguard like he's just looking at me like he wants to help me, but he just looks at me and was like, "Uh-oh." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, uh-oh is right. Like how am I going to do this?" <laughs> So did you just have to wait until somebody got Oh, yeah. I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to jump in and see if I can do this myself. (laughs) But, I mean, eventually people showed up. But then it happened again on my next lap. (laughs) And and the lifeguard was like, man, you just have really bad timing. Yeah. (laughs) But my, my next lap, it wasn't as bad. Well, I say that. It wasn't as bad on my next lap because people weren't as far behind me. But there was a guy that was behind me. That came through and like just blasted through without even offering to help me. So I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna float here. <laughs> <laughs> so the water is, you know, obviously it's probably different heights. They try to make it the same, I'm sure, but right. it's different heights at different events. But it's typically, and it was here, deep enough to where 
unless you're a really tall person, you can't just jump out of the water and grab the top of the, the block and, and yeah. pull yourself up. And I feel like the first block was deeper. Yeah, so it's it's tough when you're by yourself. You, you can't get enough force out of the water. Even though you can touch the ground, you're just so deep in the water, you can't reach up that high to grab it. Yeah, and those blocks are heavy. Yeah, because my second lap... several people to move them. Yeah, there was only like maybe three or four of us that ended up trying to move the block to get to get people over and even the four of us like trying to it was like me and maybe three <laughs> other guys i mean it, it took some effort to, to rotate that block oh well on that guy that just blasted through but it's okay i understand <laughs> it's a competition but <laughs> so after that uh you know the the gauntlet of obstacles towards the end am i missing anything before rope dope not really <laughs> i don't think so anyway <laughs> they had I'd say a, a version of Turducken, which was oh, yeah. get in the water, climb over a hill. There was no pipe to slide through, but you slid down into the water, and then there was a, a log to climb over, and then there was a log to go under. So you you, you had to get completely submerged to right. complete that one. There was Kiss of Mud, but we went through that on the first lap. Yeah, Kiss of Mud was nothing out of the ordinary. It had, had plenty of water in it. it it wasn't super deep, no. but it, it had spots yeah. that were deep. So it was you couldn't like, roll through it, though. Bad. I tried rolling through it my first time, and I'm like, oh, that's a deep spot. You <laughs> can't roll through that. So. <laughs> 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 he kind of had to army crawl. Just yeah. sinking it. I think there was a few guys that got their tights caught on because uh, of mud, though, because I had to tell a few guys later on, <laughs> later on in the race. Oh, yeah. I'm like, uh, I don't know if anybody's told you yet, but you've got a hole in your tights <laughs> <laughs> well so one thing about the course that i thought was i know some people would easily complain about a back end loaded course because the front end of the course just feels like a lot of running and it was but i i i enjoyed it because it gave me a easy marker to be like i've got all this distance out of the yeah. way and now that i'm at Ropadope, now that i've come out of the the creek and done all this stuff. I'm at Ropadope. I know I've only got what from Ropadope. There was not even a half mile left or something. Yeah, the a lot of the running it made it go by so fast. Made the miles go by so fast. Yeah. So once you got to the hard obstacles, it was yeah. I'm almost done, and it it made it easier than just getting beat down the whole time. I thought. Yeah, because I feel like if you if you have spread out obstacles, yeah, it's kind of nice to break up the running a little bit, but then it just it's kind of like the slow grind on your grip and your endurance and everything. So rope dope was the version where you climb up the rope and you go down the uh, diagonal rope on the other side. Now, the trench that you have to, I think during regular Tough Mudder, they have to just jump yeah. and swing across. But it's not a short jump to get to the rope. Yeah, it still messes with your head. <laughs> Yeah, it's not crazy far, but it's definitely far enough that's like, am I going to make it yeah, if I jump? Yeah, you definitely or... second guess yourself. You're like, okay, how, mm -hmm. how high do I have to jump? How far do I have to jump? And then you're standing on this platform that has like a little plastic lip on it. And you're like, that little lip. Yeah, yeah. what if <laughs> well, I slip on that? I think it's that. for safety. Exactly. Right. It's <laughs> But you're like, am I going to trip on this? Yeah, I am I going to slip? <laughs> am I going to jump and then my foot's just going to slip and I'm going to land in the water? Like, yeah, the rope is definitely just far enough out for you to second guess yourself. Those ropes, they are either weighted or tied down in the water. So they're not slack like a normal rope yeah 
So when you go to use your feet and get a, a foothold on the rope, it does not give a, a, like a normal rope would. Now, I felt like doing a, a J-hook motion mm-hmm. still was able to give me enough grip to, to put my weight on it and help you know alleviate my, my grip on the hands. It definitely makes it tougher, for sure. Yeah. And the first time... I mean, it makes it toughest. (laughs) See what you did there? (laughs) So, the first time I went through Rope-A-Dope, I didn't know there was a penalty (laughs) that I could have done. (laughs) Because the guy... So I thought it was so a like mandatory. I thought it was a mandatory it? completion obstacle <laughs> because I I went up to it and I asked the volunteer. I was like, "So what do we do here? Like, I just have to jump out and grab the rope, climb up, and climb down." He's like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Is there a penalty I can take <laughs> just in case I don't make it?" And he never answered me. So I'm like, "Okay, I guess I'm doing this." So I feel like I I asked as well, and he like never gave me a straight right. answer. Right. So and- like, was he not allowed to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> or what but but and and then he was like well it's easy just jump out and grab the rope i'm like yeah it's easy because you're not doing it <laughs> so i yeah and that was that was my third lap and i was already having issues on my third lap so i was already like starting to get a little beat down and i'm like okay i guess mm-hmm. i'm doing this i'm like and at first i was like okay rope climb whatever i've done how many rope climbs have i done i mean really so I get on the rope and it's it's thicker. It's a lot thicker of a rope than like say a Spartan rope and it's that synthetic material. So yeah. it's really slippery. You thought it was slippery? I think it was slip more slippery than some of the other ropes they had on the course. I cuz I think that really? that synthetic it kind of it didn't really absorb all the water. So I feel like whenever I grabbed onto it but my hands are a lot smaller than yours. But whenever I grabbed onto it, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> whenever I grabbed onto it, like the 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 material didn't like absorb the water. It just kind of sat there. They so they are those black ropes, and and I know what you mean by the synthetic, and and I f- don't feel like they're as uh, slippery as some other synthetic mm-hmm. ropes on Everest and the ropes Happy on ending. Happy Ending. They're more that um, Twine I don't know or something. Uh, yeah. Manila. Those can get really slippery, yeah. uh, especially on Everest. I think they were really slippery, but I honestly felt like I had a really good grip despite those ropes being completely soaked. On rope see, and I didn't have any problem. I felt more, I felt more comfortable on the ropes on Everest and on Happy Ending than I did on rope which huh. is weird. But I don't know. So whenever I made it up, I couldn't. I used my J hook, but it was. <sighs> It's a sad J-hook. <laughs> so I just kind of muscled my up my way up that rope, and then I made it down the traverse rope, which I just slid down. Is that what you did? Yeah, just, uh, you know, leg over and hand over hand to control a yeah. controlled slide. So that's how I did it, and and I made it made it across, and then <laughs> the stupid mud hill, mud mound that was after it, I couldn't even make it up that after I completed this stupid obstacle, because it was so, sl- the mud was just soupy right there, that you couldn't. <laughs> yeah, so, so from all the people, yeah, all the people yeah. coming out of the water, that mud hill that they had dug the hole from was just about the hardest yeah, part of the obstacle. and I made it like halfway up, and I slipped, and I fell, and I slid back down, I'm like, what the heck, I can make it up that rope, but I can't make it over this like two foot mound but (laughs) it yeah it was smooth like there was no like stepping spots where people yeah and even if you like dug your fingers or your shoes into it like it was all just loose (laughs) but was so the first time i went over it whenever i finally made my way over that little mud hill 
I saw the the penalty lap and I was like, oh, dang it. <laughs> I was like, well, at least I could say I, I completed it. <laughs> Speaking of penalty laps, I know that's something that I think everybody kind of agreed with, that the penalty laps weren't crazy. They weren't, you know, half a mile long. No, or not at all. Some of them were, some of them had a distance on them, but they weren't anything terribly bad, especially not the penalty on. Just the tip just the tip its penalty was very mm-hmm. short and made me very happy yeah it was. <laughs> it was as short as yeah it was. and i feel like the penalty the penalty laps yeah they weren't crazy long or anything and even everest everest was the only penalty lap that had something to it like you had to, you had to do a sandbag carry at um at everest yeah. which the sandbags weren't even really that heavy whenever you compare them to other races that have heavy carries yeah they were they were heavy enough that at that point in the day, it was just heavy enough that I didn't want to run with yeah. it <laughs> at that point in the at yeah. Point, at I think point in the race. I made it up Everest, I think twice, and then after that, I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> I I tried every single time, but it's like I'll just take the penalty. I can run with the sandbag. <laughs> so before Everest was Kong, and they had as they have been having at the other races, Kong Infinity within the middle of the rig, and regular just rings on the side and it you know they they stopped making it this big grandiose scary thing because that that mat underneath is pretty close to you Uh, whereas when they first introduced kong at worlds in 2016 it was it was a drop a big (laughs) drop i mean it was at least a 10 foot drop to the mat so I, i i'm pretty sure it's because people got hurt on that but it takes away a fear but obviously, if it's actually hurting people, that's that's no good. They can't have that. So Now, one thing about the obstacles at this race that I thought was cool was instead of making the obstacles easier throughout the night, they actually made they them really harder. They really did. And it wasn't because you were just tired from running all night. They were harder obstacles. So Kong, again, wet, you know, wet rings. Especially coming out of rope-a-dope. And, and I didn't bother trying to go one hand on one <laughs> ring uh, because I didn't want to risk slipping. So I just went two hands at a time and and had no problems with it like that, even though it was wet. Now, I did try to find something to put my hands on at first, uh, dirt or Everything grass or, was or anything. Yeah, nothing mattered. So at, at towards the end, I was just like, ah, screw it, and just went with yeah. my wet hands, and it was, you know, I was able to handle it. Oh, we, we passed up Funky Monkey. Oh, we yeah, we didn't one. even talk about um, Funky Monkey. Holy cow, <laughs> how did we miss that one? All right, we'll come back to it in a second. All right, so... Kong, I think it was like maybe four or five o'clock in the morning that they finally turned it to Kong mm-hmm. Infinity. And they did allow towards the very, very end to do regular Kong just to, you know, kind of get through it fast. But when it was Kong Infinity, it it was, since it was wet, again, it was even harder. The one time that I d- did try Kong Infinity, I fell right before I got, or right yeah. at the monkey bars. I think I just didn't quite go far enough and slipped. Yeah, it was they they made that tougher. We're going to come back to Everest in a second, but it got tougher later on in the night too. So let's let's jump back. So back <laughs> further in the course before before just the yeah, tip even. It was I before think. just the tip. It was after cage mm-hmm. crawl, which meant you're you know, you were soaking wet like <laughs> yeah. you just got out the water. Funky Monkey was called Funky Tough on the map. It was called Funky Tough on the map and then whenever you got to the race it was Spunky Monkey. <laughs> So they had taken, you know, the monkey bars that are normally on Funky Monkey, they had taken a big piece of wood and laid it on top of the monkey bars and underneath the wood had 
those handicap rails that you find like mm -hmm. in the bathroom. So pretty thick. Some of them were thicker than others. But the trickiest part about it to me was that the distance from that wood to the edge of the, you know, the, the bar was, what do you say? Yeah. Two inches, three inches maybe at the most. The spacing between the bar and the wood was just, ugh, it was small. It It was tricky. Like you really had to, you really had to focus on how you, mm -hmm. when you grabbed it, making sure you didn't jam your hands into right. the, the wood or like I actually had my finger get caught instead mm -hmm. of, you know, like I had to reset my hand. And they were at angles, too. They weren't straight like monkey bars. They were at diagonal angles, at alternating diagonal angles, With the too. whole set of monkey bars going uphill at an incline. Now, you couldn't grab the monkey bars because the wood was right on top of it, but they were in your way still. So that was tricky. And it's funny because I, so many times throughout the night, from a distance, I saw it, and it looked like they had taken mm -hmm. the wood off. And I was like, yes, they they made it just monkey bars. And then I got nope. to it and it wasn't. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, I looked at it and I had to like process it in my head for a second. And like I, I saw all these guys like just falling like flies. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> and I'm already like psyching myself up. And I'm like, okay, just take it slow. Take it easy. So the first time I made it to like the second wheel and then – I tried to chicken wing. I tried to like chicken wing it, and I fell because I slipped. Oh, that's impressive. That's awesome that you made it that far. Yeah, because no it females was tough. made it. It through really that. was <laughs> with them at an angle, wet uphill. Yeah, not even the the ones right. that won made it through it. Yeah, which is crazy. But uh, uphill, you had to. You know how people do that kind of sideways grip on monkey bars to make it a little easier. That's kind of the only option that I felt I really had, and it worked. I went backwards on the oh really yeah on the monkey bars because I find that sometimes if you have to go if you if the monkey bars are at an upwards incline like that it's almost easier mm -hmm. whenever you swing your body it's almost easier to like get your momentum to reach up for that next bar yeah I definitely had to do some swinging for sure oh, to, yeah. to really reach out to yeah. the next one since they were at alternating angles like that mm -hmm. but I felt sideways worked really well for me I don't know I felt like I was able to get more of a reach doing it that way. Mm -hmm. I did fall once. I just didn't hang on tight enough on the wheel. Yeah. And uh, fail. But I got it. Like, I fell, you know, mid-race and then got it the two times after that, which nice. made me super excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the first time whenever I fell, like, that, that second wheel got stuck on me. Like, it wouldn't move whenever. It when, no. Oh, whenever wow. the first time I grabbed it, like, it would not move. I'm like, what the heck? Huh. <laughs> I'm like, I know I'm heavy enough <laughs> to move this wheel. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just i had so i had to like swing and like yeah that was tough and again the uh ops the penalty loop was not that bad it was definitely longer than just the tip but not, right. not that bad at all it didn't it really didn't take take you too far behind some of the people that you were running running with and then it led into blockness monster i believe mm -hmm. all right so let's jump back towards the finish of the race <laughs> the end of the the course rope dope kong and then everest mm -hmm. Everest just, of course, slick as all get out. They had ropes down it. They were slick. Mm -hmm. Now, they did have hay at the bottom, I guess, for uh, when you slide back down to fall into the hay. I don't know. Yeah. But I did find that some of that hay underneath was dry. Oh, so yeah. I was able to dry my hands a little bit there. Mm -hmm. And during Yance, again, during Yancey's videos, I did see that Ryan Atkins, he even used the hay a little bit. Yeah. 
I made it up Everest once because Everest, ever since Tough Mudder New Orleans last year, whenever I didn't make it and I tried that stupid thing, like, I don't know, maybe five times and then I was done. <laughs> I made it up once at Toughest and that was partially because uh, Sean was up there helping people <laughs> and grabbing people up there. And so whenever I finally made it, so Everest was like my nemesis for the longest time. And whenever I finally made it up <laughs> that thing, I was like, Sean, can I give you a hug? <laughs> <laughs> like I finally made it up this stupid thing. But it was awesome because he stayed up there all night just grabbing people. And then even whenever it switched over, so there was, it was just like it was at Worlds. There was, it was a shorter, um, shorter height. Everest two point right with the with the ropes, but then at the end it switched to the taller without the ropes. I don't I don't think they had ropes. Yeah, they had that extended high mm-hmm. section. Now here here's a a couple of interesting things to me. The ropes. So since they have that curved top on there, the ropes are laying on that. So you can't when you once you get towards the top, you can't get your hands under yeah. it. You really have to reach like over the just the top of the rope and like kind of grab it, which is weird. That makes it extra tough. Yeah. So whenever I got towards the top, I actually did that whole leg hooking thing mm-hmm. to help get the rest of the way up. You know, and people were helping, of course, too. But that extended section, I didn't realize it. I only got to try it once because they had it open towards the end of the night. But it, it's actually a little bit of a warp wall. Like it mm-hmm. actually curves back. It's got a it's got an overhang on it. Yeah. I thought it would just went straight up, which I figured I'd be able to do. Now, if it was dry, I'd. I'm sure I'd have oh, a yeah. problem, but I never thought that I'd have an issue with it because I'm so used to running up that kind of stuff in half pipes, you know, skateboard stuff. So if anybody's used to doing a warp wall, like for Ninja Warrior type stuff, you know, it's the same thing. And it didn't overhang as much as a warp wall, I'd say, but it, it definitely did. And it kind of, that kind of threw me off. Like I didn't realize it until I was literally running up the thing. I'd say that's the key is, you know, get used to doing a warp wall. And even though, like on the regular Everest, even though it does, it overhangs the way it you know, curves up the way it does, you still just got to keep your head looking up as you run up it. Mm-hmm. And you really can't lunge forward until the last second. Like you really got to just wait as long as yeah. possible before you lunge forward. Yeah. It, it really was way up there. And when Ryan uh, in that video dried his hands, there was two guys standing up there and reaching down for them and even he didn't get high enough to grab the top he grabbed their hands and you know they pulled him up and then he grabbed the top and muscled up himself but yeah it's crazy how high it was and being so slick it's about near impossible to get Mm -hmm. up that high it was super slick i tried it every single time though (laughs) the very last lap i i'd say i barely ran (laughs) slid down and (laughs) it was like well i I'm not going to bother because yeah. I'm almost at the end. This is done. So. Yeah. And I think I did the same thing on my last lap. And I was like, I'll take my sandbag, please. <laughs> and so right after that was the last obstacle with a uh, happy ending. So they had it where at Tough Mudder, New Orleans, it was actually a built above ground pool at the front, at the, at the entrance <laughs> to the obstacle. Here they actually had where you it was dug into the ground. Uh, so you got in the water a little bit climbed up on the wall, you know, grab the rope, work your way up. And there was that trench in the middle before you mm-hmm. jumped down the other side, which I thought was kind of funny. Like, just a little bit of water there, just like a foot deep. It's there. For, I don't know why. But then you jump down the other side. Oh, so this, uh, they called it happy ending, happier ending, mm-hmm. I think. Happier. <laughs> happy ending, slippery with wet, or happier ending, maybe. 
So they had water spraying down it, which I liked. It was just not like super extra hard just because, you know, walking up a, a slanted wall with a rope yeah. is not that tough. But it just adds to the effect, I think. Kind of feels like going up a waterfall. It wasn't that bad. Un- unless the person who climbed the rope ahead of you. This never happened to me. But unless the person ahead of you climbed the rope and like left it in a really crappy position. And you couldn't <laughs> reach the rope. <laughs> I was pretty much using the same set of ropes all night long. I was using that middle set of ropes all night long. And then for whatever reason, whenever whenever I came up to it, it was just like all curled up towards the middle of the wall. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm not going to use that one (laughs) this time around. Oh, well. (laughs) And then you go over the backside and slide down. And some people, I think maybe Will Hicks was saying that it was kind of painful hitting the water down there. I definitely felt it one time where I just hit my my butt weird, and it just, I don't know. Besides that, I I thought it was okay. Yeah, I didn't think it was really that bad. But I kind of slid down it with, like, one one leg bent so I could, like, stay flat on the wall or have a foot on the wall just to kind of slow myself down a little bit. That's true. I saw somebody else do that, too. So here's a tip. Preferably don't put your hands on the boards as you slide down because... Some of those boards, uh, you know, it's like uh, masonite or something. Yeah, and the edges are not perfectly, you know, mm-hmm. this has been run on all day. The edges are not yeah. perfectly flush. And I one time was sliding down and my my pinky finger went under it just a little bit. Ouch. And I felt it slice my finger. Ouch. And it was not, you know, it was middle of the night. So I was kind of worried, like, as soon as I got off, what happened? And yeah. I looked and was waiting for blood to start coming oh, out. Oh, gosh. And only a little bit came out, so it didn't cut me that bad. But, you know, obviously, obviously, that could have been detrimental if it would have completely sliced my finger open. Right. From then on, I kept my hands up <laughs> while I was sliding and stayed away from those edges. Yeah. That's kind of something that Tough Mudder needs to stay on top of, but, you know, just watch out for it. Yeah. But I think that's with any of those obstacles with the walls that they have, though, because I yeah. know... And you can only do Everest so much to make well. them, yeah, to to make them flush. But and then you hopped out, and that was the finish right there. Yeah. I I liked that finish. I kind of liked having that finish at the end, just because it was like a, oh, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. So that was. I think it ended. That's well. the end. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> All right, that's it. Later. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. No, it was cool. I, I did enjoy it. So before we kind of really get into the nitty gritty of our experiences. Share a little bit about your gear. What did you use and how did you feel it did for you? I didn't know how cold or how hot it was going to be, but I knew I needed compression for my legs. So I just used my second skin tights that I used in Tahoe last year that still kept me pretty Mm. warm, but not overly warm, not too warm. I have another pair of second skin tights that are made more for cold weather, but I had brought those just in case, but I ended up not wearing those. But I I just wore the regular second skin tight compression tights and those were I felt like those were perfect for me just because they still breathed pretty well gave me compression I mean they lasted me all night I didn't have to I didn't have to change them or anything like that how how thick are those like would you wear those if it was thirty degrees Uh I'd probably wear my other ones if it was thirty degrees because my other ones have like okay. that fleece lining they're still not very mm, thick yeah. but they have that fleece lining. To preface all this, it it started out at what sixty degrees, maybe even sixty one yeah, when the race started, and only and by the time we finished, it was only fifty six at the lowest. Yeah, so it stayed cool pretty much 
all night long. And it wasn't an uncomfortable kind of cold. It was, but it was cold enough to where, since we were constantly wet and we were never dry, it was just cold enough yeah. to where I think people, I think some people were pretty comfortable running in their wetsuits, but I would have been dying <laughs> in my wetsuit. Some people had wetsuits, yeah. but then other people had shorts and t-shirt and no yeah. shirt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I personally think I would have been dying. I just don't like to be hot whenever I'm running. So, and then I, I ran with my mud gear, my mud gear compression socks. Those lasted me all night long too. And then my King MTs, which I have the the updated model of the King MTs because I had some issues. Okay. I think we went into this in an earlier episode with the with the first model of the King MTs, where it was um, yeah. after a while, after some wear, they were producing some holes on the side in the same spots. But the updated model, the King MT one point fives Ultra, updated it to where they reinforced the sides. No holes whatsoever. You can't even tell. <laughs> like completely different shoe and still just as comfortable still i liked the aggressiveness of the lugs especially with the with all the mud that we had to trudge through i brought being neurotic like i am about shoes i had brought three (laughs) pairs of ultras (laughs) i had brought i had brought a pair of superiors just in case like i didn't i wasn't quite feeling my king mts because my superiors and my king mts they kind of have the same amount of cushion and then I also mm. brought a pair of Timps that Ultra had sent me because I wanted to try something with a little more cushion just in case, like, after mile 20, I wanted to, you know, have a little bit more cushion under me. So... Yeah. So how is the cushion on the King MTs, the the new version? Um, It's about the same as the last version, but I still like it. It There's still definitely, like, that rock plate up underneath the the sole of the shoes that protects your foot from, like, the rockier terrain and everything like that and so yeah. running over those... do you know what the like the ride height is i mean i know they're a zero drop shoe but like what's the thickness of the sole the thickness of the sole isn't isn't very thick at all i would say if you're familiar with their road running shoes i would say it's probably similar to their escalante ride height it's more of a minimalist yeah definitely style or... yeah definitely a minimalist style which i like just because i don't i don't like feeling like my feet are heavy whenever I'm running too. Yeah. But running all night like that, did you ever feel like your feet were just taking a pounding? No. And the only time that they did feel like that was whenever I just got that collection of all that sand and gravel and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. It was, which was kind of unavoidable (laughs) in my shoe. And it just, it kind of collected all up underneath, kind of on the side of my foot where my arch is and (laughs) like I thought I had broken my foot it hurt so bad and I was just too stubborn to stop and just empty yeah no because I'm like no I'm finishing this and I'm making it to the finish line and that's where I'm gonna stop and rectify this situation but I never so my plan going into it was that I was gonna change out of my king mts and get into my temps because they have more of that cushion. And I wanted to do that like after about mile 20. Like I said, I was too stubborn. I just wanted to keep going. <laughs> because I knew some of my lap times were a lot slower than what I would have liked them to be. So like I felt like I needed to mm. keep going. And I just never changed my shoes. Yeah. Which, I mean, my shoes weren't an issue. I had put the Caterpie laces on my King MTs too. So like I never mm. even had to tie my shoes. Like whenever I, I took my shoes off to empty them out, I just slipped them right back on 
and with the with the no tie shoelaces I would think I was kind of afraid that in those really deep muddy spots I was gonna lose my shoe but I mean it never even slipped off so before you talk about other gear uh, I'll share my clothing uh, choices <laughs> I ran in shorts and started out in just like a you know dry fit shirt and yeah with the cold it felt good enough that I ran in that most of the night and then second to last lap I was starting to get a little chilly to where it was slightly uncomfortable every once in a while and so I put on a I took that off and put on a dry uh, long sleeve compression shirt which was nice to have a dry shirt for a few seconds <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, at the very end, the very last lap, just to make sure I stayed comfortable, I put on a uh, a, a rain jacket, you know, like a, a windbreaker type thing, and that just kept me kept me nice and cozy. Stayed in the shorts the entire night. Uh, started out in the Merrill Agility Peak Flex shoes, not the the first the first pair, not the newer ones. I haven't gotten a pair of those yet. And these shoes, I have had issues with because of the way the lacing is. It's got these loops that are hooked on to the tongue, so the lacing goes through those, and it pulls on that, mm. and and you really only get so much lever, uh, leeway because those loops can only stretch so far. So I ended up because it, it it kind of pressed down on my foot and was a little too tight on the top of my foot, so I ended up deciding to cut those off and wearing them like that, and it was fine. Like they felt they feel good like that, but all those rocks from that creek yeah. got in my shoe and after the very first lap i was like heck no i'm not dealing with <laughs> this the entire time and you had gators on right you started with your gators yeah i started with some solomon gators and literally like 15 minutes in you know first set of mud we came through they popped off and i was like god dang it and just took them off stuck them in my shorts and threw them away after the first lap. So, yeah, I wasn't planning on stopping the first lap, and then I ended up stopping and throwing those away and taking off those Agility Peak Flexes and putting on my Merrill All-Out Crushes, which have a, you know, a thinner sole, too. So I was really hoping to have a thicker sole all night, like the Agility Peak Flexes have, but ended up having to run on those those thinner soles, which those shoes did fantastic because the... The Tough Mudder branded ones, they have that BOA lacing system that, that you can crank down. And I was able to, after every time we went through that creek, I got into Pitfall and took them off, rinsed them out, and within a minute had them back on and was going with a fresh pair of shoes, basically. Mm. And I know everybody else, including the pros, probably had rocks in their oh, shoes, yeah. and I didn't, and it felt fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those it was worth were that rough. minute, for sure. <sighs> Those rocks were rough because I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I emptied out my shoe until after my third lap. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's rough right there. Uh, but having those shoes, I do know that my the bottom of my feet in you know the like the front foot part of my foot, uh, honestly, kind of felt a little bruised this week because hmm. I just it, they took a beating, yeah. which made me feel good about my form because you know my heel didn't bother me. Yeah. <laughs> it was just the the, the, the forefoot of my of my foot. Right. So I was like, all right, I you know I kept good form the whole time, which is which is good. But yeah, they they kind of kind of took a beating. So I do want to get a pair and try either the ultras or the uh, the new Agility Peak Flexes and see how they do for the. Yeah, I'm definitely a fan of the newer 1.5, the King the King M.5. The cushioning, like my my feet really weren't that sore 
afterwards. I mean, I definitely had that yeah, like good. shuffle going <laughs> afterwards <laughs> because I mean, we we had just run thirty miles, oh, yeah. but but yeah, like I I really didn't didn't feel too bad, and it was definitely my forefoot. Like I rolled it out. I'd gotten a massage this next day, <laughs> and I was good. I was good to go. So, how about how about nutrition? What did you do? What did you carry with you and eat during the during the race? So this is what I kind of like to do on those multi lap races: is have all my nutrition laid out to where it's just a grab and go kind of thing, where I'll mm-hmm. have like something solid to eat, a gel or like a chew. And then, of course, they were five-mile loops, so I didn't feel like carrying a hydration pack was necessary. I had one ready at the go just in case, but for five miles, I didn't really think that was long enough to for me to carry a hydration pack because I wasn't going to be out there for that yeah. long. So I chose not to do that as well, and, and I was happy with that result with the results from. And they had what three water stops, I think. Yeah, but they kind of started started running out of cups, and you know. Well, there was nobody manning right. them, so it was just yeah. like everybody for themselves. Exactly. Didn't know if they were well, open, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I just kind of did the whole like I just put my mouth under it and sprayed water <laughs> in my face. <laughs> so I just did it like that whenever I had to. And really, I only stopped at the water stops a few times. I didn't find like hydration wise that I really needed to stop too, too much at the water stations that were out there. And it wasn't hot and it wasn't, you know, sunny. So yeah. that, that helped a lot. Yeah. So pretty much after each lap, I would grab a gel, grab a good swig of my, um, my electrolyte drink mix, which I used, I used Hammer Nutrition's Heed, which I probably should have been using their, they have, so they have two different electrolyte mixes that you can use during your racing and heat is one of those ones where like they probably recommend it for shorter races and then they have another one called i think it's perpetuum that you can use for longer races because like the the carb ratio is different in their mixes so yeah the the heat i i want to say it's like a three to one ratio like carb to protein and then the the perpetuum is like an eight to one ratio i was using the heat I had the Perpetuum solids because they have Perpetuum in a solid form that you can just break and chew instead of drink. So I I had taken one of those and I had used the heat pretty much throughout my whole race. And I didn't feel like hydration was was an issue for me. Fueling, definitely. I don't feel like I didn't I didn't get that like angry, hungry feeling at all during the race. I was (laughs) I made sure to grab something like a gel or something every lap because even if I didn't feel it at the end of that previous lap I didn't want to go out there and start to feel it and be unprepared have it catch up on you yeah I had some pretzels and some gummy bears and some some dried cherries which were really tasty during the race uh and goose for out on the course and I I wore the shorts that I wear high elite shorts and they have zipper pockets and I actually instead of doing like a race belt I, I just shove a couple of goose in each pocket and just zip them up, and you know I got storage there, so it works really well. So I was taking out those out on the course, and honestly, uh, well, water-wise, I had just like a new tab and some water. You know that may have worked, I don't know, but honestly, I, I, I probably was feeding myself a little bit too much because I wanted to make sure I didn't get hungry, and I ended up having a little bit of stomach troubles from it. And I never really thought about this before, but in I'm gonna reference those videos again that Yancey did. Uh, Ryan 
Atkins was at, they were asking him what he needed, and he asked for gas X. <laughs> and I never really thought about that. Like, if you're having stomach troubles, yeah, like, just take something for it. Yeah. <laughs> because, obviously, you're running and sloshing around. You know, that makes sense that you, if you get stomach issues. But I need to remember that for next time and try it out. For me, it's tough to not overeat because I, I'm scared that I'm going to get hungry and it's going to make me weak. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I, I felt good about it. I just had to, like, hey, stop freaking eating so much. I'm always, and see, I'm always scared to eat solid food like that too, too much during a long race like that because I'm worried I'm, yeah, I'm going to have the same kind of stomach problems and, like, I'm not going anywhere near those poor bodies, (laughs) especially in the middle of the night. (laughs) Thank goodness. (laughs) I didn't have to go to the restroom. I just felt rough and, like, my stomach hurt. Kind of cramping up a little bit. Like, I would have a couple of burps and it would come out yeah. and be like, oh, I feel better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so some gas X probably would have been perfect. Yeah. For and it's so funny you say that because like how people out there, you know, you're running for eight hours. You're on the trail with these people for eight hours. You have no filter with these people. And like yeah. <laughs> these guys would be running around me and I'd hear like burping and farting going all around <laughs> me. I'm like, it's okay. I understand. <laughs> Well, yeah, I know I, I've, I've burped before, and, and I naturally just say, excuse me, after I burp, and, and people will be like, don't worry about it, man. Just let it out. Yeah, I don't do the solid food too well um, during my raising. I just, I'm okay with goose and chews and honey stinger dills and things of that nature. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, like, at World's Toughest Mudder, you gotta find, you're gonna have to find some solid food that works for you. Yeah, for sure. The 24-hour race, I'm definitely bringing, like, solid food with me. Something something of substance. So the the last topic, the last part of this that I want to discuss is just your personal experience. What are some of the, the good stories that you have? I know this, this podcast, is this episode is going pretty long so far. <laughs> it's going to be a special episode, though. <laughs> Everybody that's still listening, thank you. I, I promise this is the good stuff right here. You know, it's our experiences, but you probably going to be thinking about the experiences you had feel please share those with us you know go to our facebook page and leave some comments on the episode about it or send us an email at ocrtalk at gmail.com let us know how it went for you but do you want to start i know i got some some pretty good stuff yeah i'll i'll be pretty brief but i'll start out with the sentimental stuff just because i want to get that out of the way (laughs) but yeah so daniel was supposed to run it with me but he ended up getting strep the week of so he couldn't come i had a few people i had him and um this girl brandy williams that runs the battle ocrs with us she runs elite and she's done pretty well at some spartan races this year but anyway they were sending me some pretty kind messages leading up to the race so I was really nervous about it but I was so pumped and I was so psyched going into this race like I was feeling good I was feeling the best I felt going into an OCR season and like I was just I was just feeling ready you know they were sending me motivational stuff like all day long (laughs) and some even the night before yeah I keep talking about my third lap because it was probably my most difficult one because I was stubborn mm-hmm. my first two laps um my first the first lap that sprint lap I ran straight through I was feeling so good I didn't really need to stop so I just ran straight through did my second lap okay still didn't stop yeah I stopped to grab a, a stinger gel and take a swig of my heat and then I took off again and that third lap. I guess all the gravel and everything like that that collected in my shoes from the two laps before finally was like, hey, (laughs) I'm here. (laughs) And 
I had to stop and walk a lot of my third lap, which was really frustrating to me. And like whenever I have to stop and I know and I feel like I can keep going, it's just frustrating. And I think we talked about the mental stuff in the last episode, but I really dug deep and like, thank goodness they sent me all that stuff, <laughs> all that, all that, all that good stuff to keep in my head you know, during the race, because that's where I was going back to, because I also found myself, I don't, I don't know if this was your experience too, but I also found myself by myself pretty early on in the race. Like I was, I was running by myself pretty early on. Like there wasn't too many people around. I think maybe going out on my second lap, there wasn't really too many people around me, um, that I was catching up to or Hmm. that I was running ahead of. I was just kind of in limbo and so yeah it was really kind of good to just remember that there were people like cheering me on even though they were asleep (laughs) and and it was funny because at one point I was I like to hum sometimes especially if I'm running alone (laughs) just to kind of break the monotony (laughs) and get my mind off the suck (laughs) and (laughs) and i found myself humming the flintstones theme (laughs) like that's just what came out of my mouth (laughs) and it made me start laughing and i was like okay this isn't i'm doing this for fun you know it reminded me i'm doing this for fun this is supposed to be fun and that was just hilarious (laughs) that's awesome and uh so yeah, that third lap was killer to me because I walked most of it. It took me just under two hours to finish that third lap, which ugh, it's still, but I'm still glad for it because I learned a lot. And it was that lap that I was looking pretty rough whenever I finished. And I was like, I just need to stop. I need to regroup. This is what I need to do to take care of myself. And I did it and I went out. My fourth yeah. and fifth laps were, were, were great. They were like they felt they felt good. I was finally able to run most of those laps after that. But yeah, and I think just being out there with the community, the start line was pretty emotional because we talked about, you know, Sean talked had talked about Jennifer Golick and they kind of yeah. it for some reason it just kind of like hit me a little bit <laughs> and so it was mm. just kind of emotional and I was like that's true like you think about so many people who can't be running this race, who would want to be running this race, you know? And, you know, you just kind of, you're getting hyped for the race, but then at the same time, you know, you're remembering why you do it. And then, Hmm. yeah, just being out there with the community, just like meeting all kinds of people and everything. So whenever I came up to Kong and (laughs) I thought I was, Lindsay Webster had just passed me. And Lindsay and Rhea were running at that time. So Lindsay had just passed me and I was coming up on Kong. So I, I kind of, I don't have my glasses on whenever I run and I can't really see that well at night. So I was coming up on Kong and I just saw this, this, you know, little petite girl with a French braid in her hair at Kong. And, you know, she was kind of <laughs> hesitant to go across. I'm, and I go, I go, come on, Lindsay, you can do this. <laughs> and she goes across and then she falls and she gets down to do her penalty lap. And then she was waiting on her friend, I guess this other girl, which that should have tipped me off right there. <laughs> because I went across and I I fell, I almost fell underneath the scaffolding off that big cushion oh. thing. Yeah, that was scary. <laughs> but I got off the big cushion and I slid down and I got closer to her. I was like, you're not Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you yeah, it was her. <laughs> she was like, "No, I wish." <laughs> I 
I don't, we were running our penalty lap together. I was like, I totally thought you were Lindsay, and you totally didn't correct me whenever I said, go Lindsay. <laughs> so I felt kind of stupid, but they thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so it was my first OCR of the year, and really, like, I I couldn't have imagined starting it off any any other way because it was totally worth the wait like this year I was trying to focus on the longer endurance races and doing all these long training runs and not signing up for as many races that I would like to (laughs) and you know it kind of just gets frustrating but then like now that I've done that and I've done that race that I really wanted to perform at like I feel better about my decision it makes me feel a lot more validated yeah obviously we love running but holding back sometimes and i need to start doing that myself uh to hold back to be able to perform better at the races you want right and you did and you got 25 (laughs) miles you got contender status for world's toughest i did i really wanted i really wanted to get to 30 but as soon as i finished that third lap i knew i wasn't going to be able to get to 30 whenever i was finishing my fourth lap and i was well i was well before cutoff it was i finished my fourth lap probably at like 620 or 630 or so they were like, they were like, I didn't, I don't know if you're going to, I didn't know if you're going to be going out uh, for another lap because they thought I had already done 30, 30 miles. <laughs> like, oh. no way. So. Oh, your, your pick crew? Yeah. So I, I was like, no <laughs> way. I'm well before cutoff. I'm going out for another lap. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were probably like, hey, we've been here all night. Exactly. You've done 30 miles by now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I am like. And that, and that fifth lap was just awesome because I, I mean, I started it early enough to where I didn't really have to worry and push too, too much, you know, <laughs> and I really didn't want to push too hard to like try and make it in before 745 to, to finish like a sixth lap, because if I pushed that hard, then I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't come in before 830 and then it would just be wasted miles. So, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with how I finished. Did you see anybody interesting? Anything interesting happen on the course? Oh, (laughs) that infamous third lap of mine where I was feeling like death and I was coming through. (laughs) (laughs) So I was coming through the finish line and, you know, it's dark. So you can't really see sometimes who's passing you or whatever. Right. I was coming off happy ending. I was running through to the finish line because I really wanted to get my shoe off and empty out my shoes. <laughs> and I saw all these cameras at the finish line. I was like, cool. They're like videoing people go- coming through the finish line. And like, <laughs> I'm like, this is so cool. I-, I might be able to like make it on CBS. Who knows? <laughs> there's all these, ca- there's this huge camera crew in front of me. And I'm, um, like smiling for the cameras and everything and then here comes ryan atkins like running in behind me i'm like oh, oh that's right what, yeah <laughs> he had probably finished like his third or his fifth lap or something like that he he came finishing in behind me running through i was like oh that's why they're there <laughs> maybe i'll at least accidentally make it on tv yeah you might be there with them. <laughs> hey, in, in 2016 at Worlds, after he crossed the finish line, I was kind of right behind them after they, him and John, and I like patted him on the back and he turned around and shook my oh, hand yeah. and so I actually <laughs> did make it on there. So you might, you might do the same. <laughs> Maybe so. And then I think after I went out, after I finished that lap, I started, I started my next lap with Lindsay and she was feeling kind of rough. I mean, she took off. So <laughs> she took off as soon as we went up that, that past that fence up that that first trail like i didn't see her after that (laughs) who else did i see oh heather Bodie 
from Overcome and Run. She passed me, I think, on my second lap. I didn't realize it until she was ahead of me, so I didn't want to be like, hey. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, did she have just Bodie on her shirt? Yeah, she, I think she had just H. Bodie on the back of her, on the back okay. of her bib. <clears throat> I, I did see that she did get contender status yeah, as well. She, she got, got 25, 25 miles. miles too. Congrats mm-hmm. to her, too. Now, I did see a pass by uh, Jim Campbell. Gave him a, a pat on the shoulder and told him hello. And he was like, hey, buddy, good job or something yeah. like that. I offered to help him up Berlin Walls because <laughs> I think he was having back nice. problems. <laughs> on on my, one of my second or third lap, I ran across Will Hicks. And it was funny because I I know I've seen pictures of him, but I'm really not sure. Honestly, this is funny. He's going <laughs> to laugh, hopefully not feel bad when I say this. But I, from his voice, always pictured him to look like scott Keneally, but <laughs> a little beefier like scott Keneally is kind of a, a skinny dude like a like he's just a thin yeah. guy but i imagine will hicks to look like <laughs> him but just with a little more muscle on him because he's just he's got such a good rough voice you know he sounds like a like a like a man's man what, what did he say in his last podcast he said i guess you figured i've got a face for radio or something like that he said, "Yes, he has a, a face for podcasting, <laughs> but he he does not have the beard or the hair. <laughs> he actually it looked like me with the uh, with a bald head. So uh, as I ran by, he saw I had OCR talk on the back of my bib, so that people would you know see it and hopefully listen in. But as I ran by him, he saw that, and you know we've been talking all through like emails and stuff, and he said." Jason Dupree and and I turned around and looked back and from the voice and also thinking who else would recognize me by OCR talk and so knew it would probably be him uh, so I turned around and said Will Hicks and so I stopped and shook his hand and said hey man nice to meet you and shine <laughs> I shined my light right in his face and was like I'm gonna shine my light in your face because I, I want to see what you look like because I I wasn't really sure so yeah he and then I I actually said hey you're bald like me <laughs> which I'm not sure if that's a I think it's okay to say that when you are as well. <laughs> so I, I chatted with him for a moment. He was He's still kind of nursing his knee from his last injury. So uh, he was just kind of taking it easy with that. But uh, it was it was really cool to get to see him. And then, you know, I said, said goodbye and uh, didn't see him again for the rest of the night. I know I saw, like, you know, a couple of the top guys pass. And obviously, it's easy to tell when people are flying <laughs> by you that <laughs> they're one of the top ones. When it got light, I could tell whenever, like, oh, Raya yeah. or... Allison passed me. Yeah, that was one thing. Whenever the sun came up, that was yeah. Oh, it was <laughs> oh so gosh. nice. It's so weird how when the sun comes up, you're just like re-energized. Like you forget how tired you are. You forget like mm-hmm. however many laps you did before, and you're like, "Holy <laughs> crap, I can run this course now!" <laughs> yeah, and that's something I think people need to keep in mind when you do these kind of long courses. When you're in the depths of it in the middle of the night, that's something you just got to yeah. hold on to. Like, if I can just make it till the morning, you know you'll have that renewed energy, at least yeah. for a little bit, and then continue <laughs> yeah. on from there. At least carry you through to the finish. Now, one of my favorite moments was towards the end. It was still dark. I was on Blockness Monster, and we had a, a team. We were kind of working our way through it. Melissa Dugan, Sharkbait, was actually in that crew with us, and so we were all going over. And as we're going over the second one, we get, I get to the other side and we're, you know, pulling it, letting the last few people come over and Ryan Atkins starts flying over the top of it. And it was funny because (laughs) as he's on the top of the, I I think I was still hanging from it. I don't know. As he's on the top of it, I 
like patted his his uh, bicep <laughs> and was like, "Hey man, great job." And for a moment, time stood still and I caressed his <laughs> beautiful bicep and we locked eyes with each other and we stared into each other's souls and it was just my heart pounded and then the next thing I know I'm being dragged from out of the water and getting uh, water pumped out of my stomach. No, I'm just kidding. That didn't really happen. Um, <laughs> saying that, uh, th- th- uh, in case the joke didn't come across, that I uh, I was dreaming all that, that it didn't really happen. I was actually just drowning. <laughs> but no, he really, he really did come over, and I gave him a pat on the bicep, and uh, and he continued on his way. But it was a funny little moment. And then uh, ran with shark bait for just a moment there, and uh, and then kept on going, and and yeah, just I mean, it really was to me the one of the hardest, if not the hardest, races I've done because of how hard I had to push. And I know my mileage is not there yet; like I'm still working on up in my mileage this year, uh, and it's not quite there yet to run that kind of distance super comfortably. So obviously, you know, everybody gets hurting by the end of it, but. Mm-hmm. To get 30 miles, I came in and I had this time frame in my head the entire time and my cushion uh, for that last lap was getting bigger and bigger after the first couple laps. But then towards, you know, lap three and four and five, it was starting to get a little smaller. And I was like, oh, man, I'm not sure if I'm going to have time. And I really wanted to have that nice, easy lap at the end, but I didn't have time to. (laughs) So by the time it was, you know, time for that last lap, it was like I've. I've got to hustle. If I if I take my time and walk, I may not make it. And so I put in the work, and I actually finished my last lap faster than I did my second to last lap. And so that I mean that shows how much I pushed, and I I I really dug deeper than I probably ever have ever. And uh, it was tough, and I did it, and it just felt like such a huge accomplishment to just continue and not give up and make it all the way through. And it was so cool at the very end. Apparently, I passed you somewhere along the way on the first lap uh, in the crowd, yeah. and then at the very end, I jumped on the rope for rope-a-dope, and as it's, my body spun around, I saw you, and I'm like <laughs> hanging, and I'm like, hey, yeah, <laughs> and then climbed on up, and you know, we uh, exchanged pleasantries and said, finish hard as you went on to the penalty lap, unfortunately. Yeah, I was done with that obstacle. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I knew, like, at that point, it was like, okay. I'm at Rope-A-Dope. I know I've got time, you know, looking at my watch because it it really felt like it was just counting down the entire time. And I was a little worried mm-hmm. uh, along the way and uh, got to that point and, and felt relieved and made it through. And I think I finished with, I believe, 15 minutes to spare. Mm-hmm. And then you came through about another 10 minutes or so yeah. later. And you had probably about 10 minutes left to spare yeah. yourself. So it was it was pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people kind of end up experiencing this, but during that, you know, while I was still pushing, I I was saying to myself, I don't care about running 75 miles at World's Toughest anymore. (laughs) I I just want to go and enjoy it. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do, I don't want to be this much pain anymore. But, (laughs) you know, you're done with that. A couple days pass by, uh, the body starts to heal. And this morning I was on the way driving to Houston for work and as the sun rose, I was in my car, and I felt that renewed energy that I felt on the course as the sun rose, and it reminded me of, of how it felt on the course and just made me remember how awesome it is out there. And it's so funny because 
as awesome as it was, I was in pain. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but that pain, it's like we just forget about it and forget how intense it was. And 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 honestly, this is why I think we do it because all the good parts of it are what stand out in yeah. our memories, whereas all the pain just kind of fades away. Yeah. I mean, the pain is just temporary. I mean, the next day I took off work and I, like I said, I went and got a massage <laughs> and I got the deep tissue massage, <laughs> not thinking, holy oh, cow, is it going to hurt? <laughs> and, and she was like working my shoulders and she was like, just relax. I'm like, oh, I can't Ooh. relax. This hurts Whoa. so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next day, yesterday, I went and saw my chiropractor and I hadn't seen him in like a year and a half. And he's like, oh my gosh, I have not seen mm. you in so long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad at you. But oh my gosh, that felt, the chiropractor felt more amazing to me than the massage did. And yeah, after I was done at the chiropractor, I was like, man, I feel good. Like, I feel like a new person. <laughs> I don't even feel like I just ran 28 miles this weekend. So I went to I went to the group run and I ran a and it's a 5k route that we run and I was running with one of the guys that is in charge of the group run and he kind of tries to stay with the people that don't go as often so that they don't get lost along the route. Okay. And so I was running with him and he's asking me he's like what kind of pace are you are you looking at? I'm like I don't know. I'm just kind of looking to take it easy, just kind of shake it out and whatever. So we're just like running along and everything and we finish and he's like out of breath and he's like do you breathe through your mouth whenever you run? I'm like, yeah. He's like, that just looked way too easy to you. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, we are going at like an eight minute, eight ten pace. I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm like, oh, really? I just, I mean, I felt good. <laughs> yeah, I haven't run yet uh, since because my my legs just felt destroyed. <laughs> I'll tell you, my legs did not feel. They felt heavy during that run, but they didn't feel like mm. I couldn't run, you know. Like, I knew at the end of the run, they were going to feel a lot better. Well, this has gone on for quite a while, so uh, to anybody that did stay and listen this far in, that's, that's awesome. We really appreciate it. <laughs> I know our personal stories, you know, that's the, the part that, that really stands out to us. Of course, we hope that you can get out there and, you know, make your own personal stories, because that's, that's why we do this, and that's why why it's so much fun. Let's just leave it at that. You know, it really was a great race, and Tough Motor, they you know, seem like they're getting their stuff together. But I, I think this race was an example of how it, it's really more about what you put into Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You know, you can go to any race and have a great race. Absolutely. So. And I want to hear other people's experiences if they were at the race this weekend. I know we've got to have some stories out there. <laughs> All right, Anna, anything else before we no, go? No, I'm just looking forward to Worlds now. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks Take for it listening. easy. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook. Don't forget to follow Listen and Talk and let us know how you, how you did, how you felt about it. Bye, everybody.
Jacqueline, you want to say hello? No. Bye.